I think it's very important. Although at Hilltop, we don't like to make monuments. You know, we don't like to just do things because it's seasonal. It's cultural, meaning Easter to me is every Sunday. You know, I, I, I get... I get jacked. I get, what I mean is I get excited. Jack means excited for some of, you know, I'm not Jack, as you can tell. <laughs> you know, my name's not Jack. Um, but uh, I, get, I get pumped about the gospel. I get pumped about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in my opinion, I think this is why church is so important. Because you know, this thing that we celebrate yearly is a thing that we should celebrate daily and weekly all the time. Today, um, we can go there in our hearts, you know, we can, we can be right there next Sunday after Easter. <laughs> come on, come on, this place will be full. It's pretty full right now, but it will be full and everybody think, well, revival's happening. No, people are just responding to what's going on and it's good. It's a chance for the gospel to go forth, but Easter is every day. And this is why church is so important, because as a body, we get to come together and celebrate what Christ has done for us. Come on, some of you just don't get excited about that. It's, it's like, it's supposed to be the good news, but for some of you, it's the old news, <laughs> you know? It's not old, guys. It's still fresh and new today, and should strengthen and give life to our hearts and make us get up in the morning and get with other believers and glorify God. I love Sunday. I didn't always love Sunday. But man, I, I really value the church and the body of Christ, the family of God, and specifically this family. Um, you know, I'm just so glad that God would call me and my wife, you know, to this city and labor and do it with some of the people that we get to do with it. Guys, most pastors, I, I, listen, this may be a blanket statement, but a lot of pastors I talk to, they're not, they're not very thrilled with the people they get to work with and pastor. Okay, I'm just being honest. You may know about that if you've ever pastored or been around a pastor. Maybe you're a pastor's child. I don't know. But, but most people are not, most pastors aren't very happy. They're, they're not they're like, if I could just get them to do this. But I can say confidently today, I am thrilled to be able to labor alongside of you guys in every area, in the area of service, in the area of house of prayer and evangelism. It, it, I, I get like strength, strengthened in life when I get to go to church and I get to go into the house of prayer. I mean, the house of prayer was off the chains last night. Good Lord. Uh, it was just so glorious. We had a group from Pepperell come and uh, be with us. And, it, it, you know, there's just something that happens when you start to gather with, like, kind of like-hearted people. I don't know. It's, it, there's, a, there's an aspect of, like, pulling people along and trying to, you know, get people vertical. And there's, there, there's a difference between that and people who come are already like, let's go. Let's just, let's just go. And it was like that last night. It was so glorious. But even before that, listen, I came in the house of prayer. And it's not about Palm Sunday, but I want to brag on you a little bit. Can I brag on this church a little bit? I came in around 5 o'clock uh, Saturday morning to do some copying for the intensive, a lot of copying. Oh my goodness, it was endless. But anyways, I'm so glad I did. Why? Because I came in the door to see a large group of young people, and old, there was a good mixture, but mainly young, five o'clock, five, this was five in the morning, who were on Saturday, on Saturday, guys, Saturday, young people. I mean, do you know how many years, you know how many years that we've prayed as a house of prayer for like something that, like that to go on and now it's happening? Allegra, what can I say? What can I say? I came in, 
And I'm thinking, okay, everybody's going to be sleeping. This can't be that good. I mean, so I walk in. I immediately get caught up into what's going on in the room. Omar, he's just there, bleeding heart, guitar, sitting Indian style. His heart, is, his heart wasn't bleeding. He was, he was just worshiping uh, intimately. He was, it was so good, and my heart got quickly. I had to go make copies, but I wanted to stay, so I stayed. It was so glorious. I was like, the copies can wait. Went from there to that prayer set, to then another group of young students coming in to the uh, house of prayer, getting ready to lead the seven to eight set. Another group, a small group of people with Matthew Harlan and the, the, the gang that he's assembling. Get there, and I hear a prayer from Tony. I'm, I'm in the room, mind you, at this point. I'm, I'm making copies, and I hear Tony, and I was moved to tears, guys. Honestly, I was like, Oh my God, I was literally crying as I was making copies. I was like, meaning my heart was stirred. My affections for the Lord was like, I was like worshipful as the copy machine was going, and my hands are all black and I'm, you know, with a stapler. And Tony just all of a sudden says, God, write me in your story. Use my life to glorify your name. I lost it. I mean, as a pastor, being able to witness that and hear that with your own ears from a young person asking God, there, you can't put money on it. You can't put money on it. That team leaves, and then Soraya comes in. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're in Saturday, guys. This is, this is a day of rest for most. Soraya comes in, and it just goes on, and we go into the night. Man, it's just a privilege. And I look forward to the day that that room is always busy and always active with the praises to God and the worship and the prayer. I look forward to it. I feel like God is he's on the move. And, and he's building, not necessarily like this, this mass movement of revival, but this, this movement in a house. He's establishing his house of prayer. He's bringing worshipers, prayer leaders in. Then we had our intensive today, where, I mean, uh, Sunday. In the middle of all that, Saturday, in the middle of all that, where Bethany sat down with about 13 people and just went over the details of House of Prayer and some of the practicals. And guys, I want to just say this. I want to plug for J-Hop today. If you haven't thrown yourself into the House of Prayer, I'd encourage you to throw it in. If you feel like, I, listen, I talk to you many, and it almost gets a little sad. Because you guys go, I really feel like I should do a set. And I'm like, yeah, okay, praise the Lord. And months go by and you still don't listen. I'd say, listen, stop with it. I really feel I need to is in, in transition to I should. And I'm going to. Um, you will benefit. Amen. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. That was just my introduction. Not to Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Listen, let me start off by saying this. Um, Palm Sunday is more than just a parade. It's more than just a celebration of Jesus, although it was in many ways. Um, but it's more than that. And I have, I think, two desires. I think two desires, maybe one, but two. Uh, and one of them may not be that strong as the other. My first desire is, is that if you're here and you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, my desire is that you rediscover um, uh, a sense of rich, deepened relationship and love for Jesus. And my second desire is, is that if you are not yet a follower of Christ, 
that your heart would be pulled upon today uh, and that you would receive the free gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And so I hope that both of those things um, are tackled. I hope that, and I pray that your hearts are engaged and you're not making me work hard, but you're desiring to hear with ears, that you're not just looking to breathe air and give me a blank stare, but some place in you is stirring something in you, the Spirit of God, I pray is kind of activated this morning. It's something kind of inside you. And some of you are like, what is he talking about? Oh, if you hang around this culture, if you hang around this church or this house of prayer for any amount of time, I guarantee you that will be developed inside of you. Palm Sunday. It's more than just a parade. But here in the Gospels, and can I just say in all the Gospels, this instance, this occasion was recorded by all. It's pretty... uh, telling, I think, of this story, meaning that it means something that we shouldn't just look over it and say, oh, well, that was nice. They celebrated Jesus. It is nice that they celebrated Jesus, but all the Gospels tell the story of the triumphal entry. Jesus um, comes into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. That's the Son of God, me, just get the picture in your head. God in human flesh <laughs> says, get me a donkey. I'm going to enter Jerusalem. Most people that aren't even of the stature of Jesus, <laughs> that don't have the title of God, but maybe king, would come on a horse with an army, here I am, but Jesus comes in. God comes in on the back of a donkey. Jesus' purpose in riding into Jerusalem was to make essentially his public claim that he is their Messiah (laughs) and King. And this would be telling even in the Old Testament, because in Zechariah, we don't have to turn there, but Zechariah 9, 9 through 10, the prophet prophesies about this occasion. Jesus, in this moment, fulfills Old Testament prophecy on the back of a donkey. So it's an Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled. And I wonder, knowing that most of the people surrounding Jesus at this time we're aware of Zechariah 9, 9 through 10. They were aware of the prophecy. And I wonder if somehow that was stewing and running over in their minds as they saw their king, their person who was going to make all things right. I wonder if that was going through their minds. I'm pretty sure it was. The long-awaited Messiah had now come, and he's going to overturn. He's going to kick out the Roman occupation, if you would. Jesus, hey, you have to understand that this comes on the back of some of the most powerful 
majestic ministry in Jesus' life that is stirring all through Jerusalem. It's, 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 like, it's like something that's going on Twitter. It's, oh, did you see what Billy Bob did? And then the, and then the next person, ah. So gee, the accounts, the ministry of Jesus is just running rampant throughout Jerusalem. They know of Lazarus being raised from the dead. Surely. They know of demons being cast out. Not through the long effort or struggle through get out of him, but in his very opening words, leave him. And they're saying, they must be thinking, guys, they must be thinking, surely this guy, surely Jesus is going to do away with Rome. He's going to sit on his, 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 uh, his little throne and he's going to rule us. And he's going to kick Rome out. But the triumphal entry would serve a deeper purpose than that. Essentially, Jesus was in no way, at any time, under any circumstances, going to do away with the occupation. He was not going to deal with the government and their hold on Jerusalem. But yet Jesus was going to come. Now this is, I think, a week before he's crucified. He knows. He actually said in early parts of the gospel, he said to his disciples, we must go into Jerusalem that scripture will be fulfilled. And I'm sure in his disciples, they're like, oh yeah, it's our time. Jesus coming to town. Jesus coming to town. Going to do away with the Roman. Going to do away with the Roman. You know, songs start busting out. Oh, he's going to get him. He's going to get him. And Jesus never disclosed. He never disclosed what he was going to do. He simply said, let us go into Jerusalem. That scripture might be fulfilled. <laughs> and all the while, fully knowing, fully understanding, and even accepting his death. And this isn't just any death. This is a death by flogging. This is a death by beating even his body to the point where no one can recognize him. Wrap your mind around that. Son of God, on the back of a donkey, his people, they're going to get him. He's going to cast out demons. He's going to deal with Rome. Nobody will stand in his way. Look at his power. Look at him. King. He's like, no, I'm coming, yeah? And I will be victorious. But it's not necessarily the victory that you may be thinking about. I'm going to die. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not just going to die. I'm going I'm to freely, listen, freely lay my life down. God, God, who is like God? Who can stand and be compared to God? No one. This God of which nothing and no one can be compared. No one shares the stage with God. Comes in human flesh. Riding on a donkey. Freely laying his life down. You know, I heard this statement one time. It rocked me. Alan Hood. 
We're at a conference in Colorado. I don't know why I ever thought about it. I was like, Lord, why don't you give me statements like that? <laughs> and he said, over a third of all the angelic host fell, and God seemingly did nothing. One man and one woman ate an apple, and he sent himself into the world to reconcile all things, not just some things, all things. Think about that. Is it old news to you today? Or is it good news still? We got to be so pumped and primed in our charismatic, you know, give us good worship or I just will not lift my hands or little my voice. (laughs) Is the cross still enough to move your heart? It's what Jesus did for you enough to get you up and get you in the house of God. Is the cross still enough to get you up and plug you into prayer and evangelism and being Christ on earth? Is it still enough? Or do you need your, oh, come on, this better be good. (laughs) I've come to a place in my life where the cross The work of God in the gospel is enough to get me there. It's enough to quickly. I don't care if I'm having a bad day. I don't care if my wife hates me. Uh, You're laughing. That's good. She doesn't hate me. Uh, I don't care what's going on. If I can just remember and constantly be connected. Easter is every day, friend. Come on. Don't seep into this cultural uh, norm where we just, oh, I'm going to go to church on Easter. Come on! (laughs) Well, I have church at my home. Right. um, Cool. Cool. Oh, I don't have to go to church. I am the church. Okay, right, right, okay, right. Love you. The cross should be enough to move us into worship should be enough to move us in prayer should be enough to move us to evangelize and share the good news is the good news still the good news or to you is it the old news it no longer works I need the worship to be right I need the preacher to say the right words I need this I need that No, you don't need anything. You just need to remind yourself of what Jesus did. And that should break open your heart. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. is a great day. But it's not just locked into the calendar, you know, yearly event. Of course, this was an event that happened in history. But this Palm Sunday, this kind of explosion of Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is an everyday outflowing. It's an everyday expression. It's an everyday lifting my heart before the Lord. Hmm. It's awesome that in the Old Testament, Testament, excuse me, the method and the timing and the meaning are clearly revealed 
uh, in the Old Testament about the triumphal entry. Let me give you a couple scriptures. We already talked about one in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Uh, uh, the timing, the exact timing, think about this. The exact timing of this occurrence uh, Daniel prophesied about in Daniel 9, 25 through 26. The exact time the arrival can be calculated in, in that chapter. Uh, Psalms 118, 21 through 29 had announced the meaning of Christ's arrival, which the crowd would essentially realize as they were chanting their chants of praise. Just didn't happen. This was spoken about, and they saw it, and they responded accordingly. Oh, we know that the book of Psalms says, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes. I'm sorry that I shout. Is that okay? I mean, you're like, why is, what is that? What's wrong with that dude? There's nothing. I get excited, guys. I can't help it. Sorry, not sorry. So Jesus was on his way into Jerusalem knowing full well that his trip would end in his sacrificial death for the sin of humanity. Jesus said this um, in Luke chapter 18, 31. You can turn there if you want, 31 through 33. In taking the 12, his disciples, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written planned about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated, spat upon, and they will flog him. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. But Jesus' entry into Jerusalem happens on the heels, we talked about this, of some of the greatest ministry in Jesus' short term of ministry. Um, Lazarus healing, demons coming out of people, the deaf being able to hear again, the lame being able to walk again. But essentially, the stone, which metaphorically speaks of Christ, it speaks of a Messiah was rejected by the builders. And interestingly, I think, and very telling to even our culture today on why he was rejected. It's, it's interesting to me, and let me try to make some sense of that. Unfortunately, the praise the people lavished on Jesus was not because they recognized him as their savior from sin, that of which they needed. They welcomed him out of their desire for a messianic deliverer, someone who would lead a revolt against Rome. They did not believe in Christ as savior. Nevertheless, they hoped that perhaps he would be to them a great temporal deliverer. There were some people who in the moment hailed him as king with their many hosannas recognizing him as the son of David who came in the name of the Lord. But when he failed their expectations they were shouting crucify him. Crucify him. Understand that some of those same people 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Once he failed and didn't boot the occupation, he was now being taunted with words of crucify him, get him, kill him. He must die. Interesting, isn't it? How telling that is. When God fails some of even our own expectations, certainly I don't think that you would think that you would ever, in a sense, be that militant and that hateful. But yet, who knows the heart but God? And, and really, when things don't add up, when things aren't going right, so to speak, what is our response? Is it still Hosanna, Hosanna? I don't understand your ways, but your ways are higher, they're greater than mine? Or is it God, you fail me? So there's a great insight that happens to the triumphal entry and a great misunderstanding. A well-known pastor explains this great insight and great misunderstanding like this. The great insight was that Jesus was, or it, yeah, is, really the king who comes in the name of the Lord, Luke 19, 38. He was the Messiah, the Son of God, the long-awaited ruler of Israel, the fulfillment of all God's promises. When he told the disciples to go get a donkey, Jesus referred to himself as Lord. Bold. I don't know, you know, you get, go get the Lord. A cult, bold proclamation of his divinity. But the great misunderstanding was that the world, uh, I'm sorry, is that he would enter Jerusalem and by his mighty works take his throne and make Israel free. I'm sorry, yes, okay, let me back up. I, I, I framed that wrong. The great misunderstanding was that he, Jesus, would enter Jerusalem in the people's mind by his mighty works of which they already saw take his throne and make Israel free from Rome. But Jesus didn't do that. It wasn't going to be that way at all. He would take his throne and it would be through the voluntary suffering and death and resurrection. Of which, fast forward to here and now, we still need I love that we live in a culture and an environment. We pray for revival. We pray for many things. But I wonder if in some way, if we're not careful, that we, we might be shortchanging ourselves because maybe God has a different way. Maybe, maybe there's something that we need to see that if we're not careful, we too might fall to... Uh, um, our expectations, our own expectations. Jesus, come. Revive this city. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves 10 years later. Will we still be doing this, the same thing? Will we still be there? Or will we be jaded? You know, if I had a dollar for every Christian who left the faith because of that, wow. and the, leaving the faith is far more than just saying, Jesus, I'm done with you. <sighs> leaving the faith is... Is, is cashing out. It's 
being uninterested, unaffected. I don't care anymore. Don't bother me, church. Oh, I don't need it. I don't want to be bothered. But I wonder, I wonder, I, I don't. I dare, I, I, I'm, I'm walking on thin ice. <laughs> because it's so important to keep that culture of revival and movement and Holy Spirit come, lest we die. But on the other hand, I'm also like, I, I, I don't want my expectations to be so great that when you fail me, or what seems to be, you failing me, I lose heart. I give up. I stop. I become uninterested, unaffected, don't care. That's why the cross is the center. It's at the very high ground, if you would, of everything we do. It never trumps. I'm sorry. Nothing ever trumps it. Nothing comes before it, behind it, on the sides of it. It stands on a high mark all by itself. And everything else just exists and happens. Is the gospel still good news? Or is it old news? And if you can say confidently that it's good news then what are you doing with this news? If it's still good news, what are you doing with that news? That will directly identify some things in your own life, personally. I know some of you don't like this, you know, but email me, I may open it. I may open it. Is the good news still good news? No, no, no. Here. Not just here. Is the good news still good news? Is the gospel, is what Jesus did enough to still move your heart to share that good news? Are you holding on to it, hiding it, embarrassed of it? Come on, if it's good news, it needs to be declared. It needs to be uh, 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 told. It needs to be shouted from the highest peaks. I'd like to say that the good news is still good news with me, but I forget so many times. Some things become more predominant, more important, and more of a focus. Thank God for this thing that happens yearly to bring us back, to get us back to the main points of our faith, what Christ did. So some takeaways. The crowd refused to see Jesus as he truly was. My question to you is, who is Jesus for you? Is he someone who you want to satisfy your selfish wants and goals? I just, I need this God. And if you don't, come on, come through for me. Or he, is he, excuse me, Lord and Master who gave up his life for your sins, 
for your sins today, tomorrow, and forever. Your sins. You see, we're still in need thousands of years later for a Savior. We're still in need for that blood to cover our sins. (laughs) Come on, am I amongst sinners here today? Raise your hand. Am I amongst people who are weak and sinful and need God's mercy? Come on. The cross, central high. It's still to be, Hosanna! (laughs) Merciful God! Thank you! Thank you! And everything that drives us to get up and sing our songs and go to church and go to the prayer room and serve in evangelism and go to the widow, go to the orphan is Jesus. I need your mercy. Everything that provokes us to good works and righteousness should be Jesus. I need your mercy. Hosanna in the highest. Come on, you get that in your Theology, oh man, that, that kind of, those sentiments of like, oh, it's just not balanced for me to go too far this way and not pay attention there. Can you, what does that mean? I know, I know, because I'm a pastor, I can be there all the time. It's my job, right? Oh, so it's, it's, it's a job. Listen, we're all priests. Are you reading your word? One day, mark my words, one day, this little nest egg and this little life that you're trying to build and preserve and keep balanced so you can keep it all in check is going to end. It's going to end. That's why Jesus said, store up not treasures in this world. Don't do it. Come on, don't just shake your head at me, guys. This is the word of God. I'm yelling because I need to hear this. What? Weak? Who's influencing you? Who has your head? This time here is but a moment. Eternity. Don't store up for yourself. Don't try to keep yourself balanced. And I, I just can't do what they do because I've got to do this. Yeah, do it and do it for the glory of God. But don't make that an excuse. That is so pitiful. It's so weak. And you know what? I don't believe it's covered by the grace of God. I don't believe God's saying, yep, yep, it's true. She's got to stay balanced. He's got to stay balanced. Yeah. I mean, she she should have made time for prayer. She shouldn't go, or he shouldn't go serving. I don't think he's up there. I agree. Your life needs to come more. No, he's not. He's not. People left their occupation to follow Jesus. People threw down family businesses to follow him. And you think that that's same message isn't alive and well today, Jesus still beckons from the throne of heaven. Follow me. Follow me. Give me your excuses. Follow me. Did, I, did Jesus in any way in the Bible show us any allowances for, for excuses? Did he ever? Oh, well, he was the son of God. He was a priest. We're all priests. Friend, today you are a priest. 
You need to start living like it. Is the good news still good news? So who is Jesus to you? Is he someone that just serves your personal desires? Is he someone that is only to you a person to satisfy your selfish wants and goals? Or is he the son of God, the savior of the world? This was nothing new to Jesus. People, people excuse me, often wanted him for all the wrong reasons. Let me say that again. You need, we need to hear this as a church. If you think we're exempt from this, you've missed it. I'm crossing my eyes like my angry parent, but uh, I, I'm like, who am I talking to right now? I'm really not an angry man. I love the Lord. I love my wife. But if you think that this is just something that happened in the life of Jesus, in that life only, you have missed it. Still today, we are still looking to Jesus for all the wrong reasons. In John chapter 6, 26 through 27, he says, Again, people wanted a king. This is Jesus. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Again, people wanted a king to do away with Rome and the occupation, but they needed a savior. John 6, 15 says this. When Jesus saw that they were ready, I'm, I'm, I'm missing the point. Let's go uh, John 6, 26 through 27. Wrong scripture. My bad. That's what happens when you go too fast. 26 and 27. There is no John chapter 26 and 27. John 6. Thank you so much. It's behind me. Praise the Lord. I got this uh, flat screen television for iPad now. Uh, Is it big enough, you think? Should I go bigger? What do you think? People often wanted Jesus for all the wrong reasons. Jesus replied after... The people wanted to get him to perform a miracle. He said, in response to that, he says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand these miraculous signs. Don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. This happened on the backs again of people wanting Jesus to perform miracles. He had just fed the 5,000. 5,000? Is that right? Yeah. I'm going to check that because you guys will keep me honest. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But Jesus said, you're not following me. You're not following me because you understand what I'm all about. You understand what these signs are all about. You're following me because you want something. What do you want? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we're not supposed to bring our wants and our desires before the Lord. I mean, you look at Psalms. That guy was, man, you're like, man, is he saved? Like, <laughs> Old Testament, man, Old Testament. He's like, God. But when that becomes the focus... When that becomes the focus and that becomes the drive, we miss the point. So what kind of Jesus are you looking for today? I'd ask you to ask yourself that seriously. I know that you've laughed at me and 
Um, because I've, you know, there's plenty of reasons why to laugh at me. No, I'm just, jo- just joking. Uh, but I know that, that we got the heart of it, but yet I want to just bring us, if we could, focus, just kind of come around this question, who is Jesus to you today? Let it, let it seep in. Don't let it just kind of pass through, but let it get in here where you can ask yourself seriously today. This moment, right here, right now, who is Jesus to you? A slot machine? Is he something that you can put money in quick and get something out because you need it? Secondly, are you looking for Jesus? And I think that this is connected to the first question. Are you looking for Jesus, and why should you be looking to to Jesus? I know that that may have went over your head. Yeah, but it's getting late, and I want to keep us here. Uh, Not here, but in our hearts here, where we can logically and truthfully... Here's the thing. You can fool me today. I can fool you. You cannot fool him. You cannot play, we cannot play our religious games. We can't give a facade, a kind of fake appearance of what we think is real with God because he sees all things, knows all things. The Bible says nothing, nothing at all is hidden from his eyes. And so seriously, seriously, under in the, or in that context, what are we looking to Jesus? Who is Jesus to us? Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you for this word. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that none here today would forsake God or be cavalier, Lord, in assessing their own hearts in the grace of God. I ask, Lord, that right now that a spirit of truth, a spirit of truth would fall upon us this morning that Holy Spirit, you would convict us on Palm Sunday. (laughs) You would do a work within us, Lord, that we could come to truth, that we could know through being exposed, so to speak, or just being highlighted and convicted of where we are at and, and who we are looking to and what we are looking for as we look to it. Father, I ask today that for those who have spent years being a Christian and a follower of Jesus, that their hearts would become alive once again and that the cross would be center, Lord, that it would be the highest, uh, uh, clearest focus, Lord, that it would rule all things, Lord, that would forever be before our eyes and our hearts, Lord, that the grace and the mercy of God 
So, Lord, I ask that those who have been tracking with you for a long time, that they would once again be strengthened and fall deeply in love with Jesus. Jesus, you said that if your Father would be glorified, that you would draw all men to yourself. Lord, I think we've glorified you here today. Between the worship and the Word, God, and even asking serious questions and pausing to hear uh, those questions answered. Lord, I think we've glorified you well And now, would you draw men to yourself? Would you draw those who need to be drawn? I want to do this with absolute boldness, and I am not in any way going to be discouraged by the results. But if there is somebody here today, I would hate to assume that all of us are followers of Jesus, that we are all His disciples. Maybe you've come here today and you are struggling or considering on the fence. I want to say, friend, let's make this decision today. Let's make this decision today. I can probably confidently say this, that between the worship, the Word, there was something pulled upon your heart. That is the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you are not saved, meaning that Christ is your Lord, He is your Master, He is your Savior. If you are here today, man, it would be shamed for the best news not to be offered or spoken about. I want to give you the opportunity to come and receive Jesus. What does that look like? It's simply just coming up here with me and me praying with you and you making open confessions to Jesus that you want him to be your Lord and Savior. If that's you, come up now. Every eye closed. It's not a spectator sport.